find me Don't be scared of yourself Don't be scared of me Don't be scared of yourself Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where a couple of friends sit around and discuss healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Did you have a good holiday? I did. I had a really amazing Christmas. It was a lot of fun. How about you? I did. Um, you know that I drove to Texas. So we left uh, our third, excuse me, midday on Thursday before Christmas and got here Friday or at like 4 a.m., Catched a little bit of sleep and um, was able to do shopping and it ended up just working out just perfectly and yeah it's been a great few days and Christmas was good it was it was a normal Christmas just in a different place so nice so you and Colin drove up drove we, to Texas we did nice okay so it was still you and the boys but you were just not at home you were at Dylan's yeah so kind of still at home. So yeah, it was okay. uh, not the normal. We didn't. I you know I packed up stockings. I packed up the boys' stockings they've had their entire lives, and <laughs> I have one for the dog. And I I had a couple of stockings, and so I actually packed those up. And now they're the Dylan's cat, kitties um, stockings. Okay, cute. So you brought all the stockings. You brought the dog with you. you brought the dog with me. Yep. So we had five nice. stockings. We hung them below his TV, so it was like on his entertainment center. And my mom sent a few two cats, one dog, two boys, and you Six in a one-bedroom apartment, seven hundred square nice. feet. Nice. Yep. Beautiful. Merry Christmas. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's been uh, very nice. So the cats and the dog are getting along great. Well, of course, he's not bad with anything. No, he's really not. So, so yeah. So it's been a very, very, very nice Christmas so far. Good. Nice. I woke up Christmas morning with my two youngest children. I actually, I was really surprised. I, I rolled out of bed somewhere around 830 and went straight to the shower like I typically would on any other day before I realized what I was even doing. And by the time I got into the living room, one child was still in bed sleeping. He's almost 18, so I don't know if that counts. Um, But the other one, my 11-year-old, was sitting on the couch with her blanket on her, just staring at me in the Christmas tree and back at me and back up. I'm like, you didn't tell me you were awake. I just figured you were sleeping. I just, sorry. She was just there so patiently, just waiting. She was like, are you ready now? Yeah, go wake your brother up. Um, so we did that Christmas morning. I did that with the oldest two. Destiny, I guess my, or I'm sorry, I did that with the youngest two. Destiny, my oldest daughter, had to go to work at 8 a.m. So I think she stayed with a friend and then she went to work. And then she got most of her gifts either two days on, not Christmas Eve, but the Friday before. We took her out to dinner and took her out to the store to buy some shoes that she really needed. Um, and she got a few of those. And then she got one little thing from me that she came over Christmas dinner and she picked up and got that. And my dad actually came down from Maine and him and his girlfriend, Linda, and their granddaughter, my niece, Rory Jane, all came from Maine and were here visiting, are here visiting. They're not at my house right now. They got a hotel. Um, but they were here from, they got here oh, around 
noonish, I guess I would say, Christmas Day, and hung out all day. We had lasagna for dinner. Um, Nick made everyone a really nice lasagna. It was really yummy. And we just hung out. We watched Matilda, the new Matilda. It was uh, streaming on Netflix all day for free. So we watched the new Matilda on Netflix. And then we watched Home Alone, just traditional movies there, right? And we just kind of hung out, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we kind of, that's what we did too. Once we opened presents and, um, yeah, we just kind of watched some today watching some movies and stuff, which was, which was nice. Yeah. You know, I noticed that, I guess I would call her my stepmother. I don't, for some reason that has, I don't, it feels like it has an evil connotation to it. She is not, I, I adore Linda. That's why I said my dad's wife. And even that felt funny because that, I don't know, it gave some sort of ownership to my dad in this instance and that's not my normal but linda is just if you knew linda she's just linda she's not my dad's anything she is her own person she is linda she will always if anything he is her husband i don't i don't know right i don't know that i've ever thought it like that in those terms but when it comes to linda she is linda i love linda i absolutely adore linda her and my father have been together for oh my goodness i think it's gonna be 18 years in february so i noticed though that i was very worried about my niece their granddaughter not being bad so rj would get up and play with the dog and my dog is 75 pounds and She's a pit bull boxer and she's two and a half years old and her tail wags and it it thumps everybody within (laughs) five feet, right? I mean, like, so I'm like, Venus, lay down. I'm telling the dog to lay down and and the dog's laying down and our day is just petting the dog and it's no big deal and they don't have any animals and she loves dogs and I love dogs. And so she's just petting the dogs and it's no big deal. And and then Linda was like, it, well, so then the dog would get up and the dog would start to, and I would tell the dog to lay down. And then Linda thought RJ petting the dog what was is what was making the dog get up. So she was telling RJ to stop. RJ, just sit down and be still. Leave the dog alone. Just sit down and watch the movie and be like, kept At first, I caught myself. At first, I kept saying, she's okay. She's okay. She's okay. She's okay. But. RJ lives with dad and Linda. Dad and Linda are raising RJ. They love her. They adore her. It is their rules. That is their child, right? Mm -hmm. So I caught myself saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, when really what I needed to do is just back off, right? That's their business. I told her once or twice that it was okay. She understood that I did not mind what that child was doing. I actually thought it was the cutest thing ever. And if she felt the need to still stop her, that was her business. And maybe had I just kept my mouth shut, RJ would have stopped 30 minutes sooner and the whole thing would have calmed down 30 minutes sooner, right? I Wow, I've never thought of that. Because I do the exact same thing. You know, we'll be a small child or a, a kid over and they're doing something and the mom's like, you know, stop, stop. And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Right, and here I am thinking... No, you don't have to stop her. I don't mind. You're only stopping her because of me. But who the hell am I right. to think that I had any say over why you're stopping this child? And I have not talked to Dad or Linda about the podcast yet. So a side note. Hi, Dad. Hi, Linda. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. <laughs> they won't, I'm sure. But I will talk to them tomorrow. But anyways, I just had to throw that in there. 
but but it's not personal, right? I'm just using this as an example because it creates such a great example for how many times I think somebody else is worried about me when in reality they're just worried about what they want and what they are doing, which has absolutely nothing to do with me. And if I would just mind my own darn business, it all would have been way better off to start out with. That is just such an, like I'm going through like this overload of like flashbacks of, of doing this and um, in a way of, of trying to look like this person or trying to control or manipulate or whatever word you want to use when you're right, this person, I'm not that parent. I am not the parent. I am not the guardian. I'm not the, that child's adult. Right. And and maybe RJ has a, and, and I'm probably wrong. I don't know, but maybe RJ has an allergy to dogs and she don't want RJ all over the dog because RJ was going to not be able to sleep well that night because her eyes would tell. Good point. Because like why we don't know the full story to be able to to make a determination and we have to best part of trusting that the the parent and looking at it from our perspective as parents i mean how many times have i told my child to you know you know sit still and then i get my my mom or my you know somebody would come in and and override my intent that i want my child to sit still i'm trying to instill manners or I'm trying to instill behaviors or parent in my in in the best way I can and being undermined expect I mean my mom was notorious for that. Well, so let's talk about that other side for a minute too, right? And I'm sorry I interrupted you. you, you no, you're she, fine. Please go ahead. I get as a parent that side of it or or as a guardian or as a <laughs> homeowner or whatever right it's my my business my thing my choice my decision but what about the other side of that as the person that's saying hey it's okay or hey it's no big deal or hey you don't have to be so angry mm-hmm. or hey calm down or right whatever it may be and and i i want to this is not personal to anyone. This is not in reference to anything. But just the other side of that is that person doesn't mean any personal harm, any ill intent. It's not a, I know better than you allow them to be, or I know better than you don't worry about it. It's more of a, hey, you don't have to stress yourself. Yeah, that's a, that's a great insight because I know for me with my, you know, my mother that there is always the, you know, very much of a trigger situation. So anything my mother does or has done, it's better than it used to be, is always a trigger. So you could tell me it's okay, you know, he's fine, and it wouldn't bother me. My mother would do it, and it would just rub me such the wrong way. Like my whole body would react to it. I'd become, become so, like, how dare you? Oh, yeah, there's always those people. And I'm sure Linda is not one of those people for you, so... No, I adore Linda. There's No, I absolutely adore her. She would give the shirt off her back to anybody, even if she was freezing cold. Uh, I do adore Linda. She is an independently outspoken, uh, very giving, caring, loving individual. And RJ is the sweetest little girl. She uh, she was so funny. We were having dinner, and actually, Nick made the lasagna. He did a really great job. Nice. Um, and he cooked for, gosh, 
I think there were 10 of us. There were nine of us. There were nine of us. I pulled out 10 of everything, but there were nine of us. Um, and he made the lasagna and RJ twice during dinner interrupted. Miss Ashley, Miss Ashley, I just, can I give you a compliment? And I said, of course, sweetie, shoot. You can always give a compliment. And she says, this is the best Oh, oh no, this was the night before. So they had dinner the night before Christmas Eve, Friday before Christmas Eve, and Christmas dinner. So she did it both with the casserole and she did it with the lasagna. She So she says, Miss Ashley, I got to give you a compliment. I said, of course, you can always give me a compliment. She says, this is the best casserole I've ever had. <laughs> and we, we all just started laughing. And Linda says, well, what about mine? And RJ looks at her and says, you don't make no casserole. She's, she's seven. I was going to say, how and old is she? Yeah, she's seven. She is the most amazing. She, and then she did it again with Nick's lasagna at Christmas dinner, about halfway through dinner. This, this is the best lasagna I've ever eaten. And I was like, you are so sweet. She was so sweet. I miss having uh, little kids around for Christmas. Um... They just, they change the whole, for me, they change the way I look at Christmas. And it's, there's just nothing better than seeing things through their eyes. I mean, I think, I actually, this Christmas, I got really lucky because Cameron is still young enough to really be into it. Like, she understands the imagination of the elves because I cannot stand the elf on the shelf. So she understands the imagination behind it. Like, she'll come home from school and be like, Mom, the elves haven't moved yet. And I'll be like, well, I was at work all day. Why don't you call Santa Claus? Right? And she knows. So she's, she's very wise to it. And, like, I feel like if I put in all that work, I deserve some of that credit, not this imaginary person and thing right like that's a different topic so I think I got really lucky with this year because I have Cameron who's still young enough to really really enjoy it but at the same time Destiny who's my oldest this was the first year that she wasn't at home to open presents Christmas morning and there were multiple times throughout the day that after wrapping presents, but and she only stayed, right, she had to go to another family gathering, and she, so she only stayed for a few hours. But there, there were multiple times after wrapping presents that I would look and see her presents still under the tree, and I would feel like something was missing. And it was, that this was missing, right? That's yeah. a big part of my Christmas is my oldest daughter. But I was lucky because I had that bumper of my youngest daughter, who's only 11 and, and still very much into it, to really be that buffer for me. Kind of like you had, right? Like, instead of Dylan not being able to come home with him being all the way out in Texas this year, you were able to go to him. So right. you had that. Like, it wasn't the same, but it was still the same enough. Yes. It was still the same people, the, the people that I want to spend Christmas with. I really thank CODA for that. I, I really thank the 12-step programs for that. I really, really thank my recovery for that. Because, you know, three years ago, Christmas was ruined because I had to send Cameron to her father for half of the day. Like, like the entire day. The whole, and, I, and I had her that morning, but I was so sad that she was leaving 
that I was unable to enjoy that morning. So to be able to still enjoy Christmas with the two children that I had at home and the people that I had around me, even though that other piece was missing, not not but, not regardless of, no, even though that piece was missing without a doubt, it was missing. And even though it was missing, I was still able to enjoy myself and have an amazing time. I have to give the awareness of 12-step recovery to this. And and if my dad's listening to this, he's probably laughing. Because I actually, I did tell him a little bit about the podcast. I just didn't exactly go into detail about it. And there were a couple times throughout the day that he would look at me and say, huh, funny you should say that. I used to say that to you. Is that going to be on your podcast? <laughs> and I was just, like, it was just a little, very joking, right? Yeah. Not, like, and it and they were things that were important, like like I was talking about dog training and like how getting angry doesn't work. And I was talking about how rather than getting angry, we need to just walk away and we just detach, right? If if you're telling your dog over and over to sit and your dog won't sit, screaming and yelling and cursing and stomping is not gonna make your dog sit. Walk right. away and take a deep breath. And come back with a little honey. Come back and be nice. And tell your dog to sit. Don't ask. Tell. But tell nicely with love and reward. And if you work for me, I'll work for you. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Not with demand and anger and it just doesn't, and, and that was like, he said, oh, that's going to be your first episode of the podcast. I was like, no, we've already done that. Sorry, but it'll be on there, I promise. So there you go, Dad, it's on there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to circle back, actually, to something you said. The whole thing of, you know, with your daughter, does not be in there, and being angry and being d- depressed and being sad and, um, and then, you know, Cam having to go to her dad's that year, especially, and worrying and losing kind of the time you had with her because you were so focused on what was what was going to happen in three, four, five hours. So I want to talk about living in the moment, being in the moment, because that's what I heard you not saying, right? What you were saying was, I was so worried about what was going to happen. I was so worried about how I was going to feel. I was so worried that you lost what was happening in that moment. Right. That's, that's what I did years ago. Absolutely. I was not able to live in the moment. I was worried about the future. Yeah, what what wasn't even happening yet. And truth be told, that, that day ended up great. She had a wonderful time and she came home the next day and everything was perfectly fine. Right. Truth be told, right? I worried myself sick over absolutely yeah. nothing except my own feelings because I couldn't get out of my own way. And then, right, and, and recovery is not, it doesn't happen overnight. I didn't wake up Christmas morning like, oh, yay, we're opening presents, let's do this. I woke up and my very first thought was, oh, man, this isn't here. Hmm. But then I looked at Cam's smile and I was like, oh, hey, all right. It's okay that Destiny is not here. I can still be happy. Right. It's okay. And then there were multiple times, like I said, I would look over at the tree and I would see Destiny's presence still under the tree and I would start to get sad. And then I would go, wait a minute, my dad's visiting from Maine, and I'm in North Carolina. Why am I sad? Destiny will be here later. Life happens. Kids grow up. This is normal. 
And it's so crazy because on Mondays, I talk to my sponsees. Just real quick, sponsor sponsee program is something that we do in the 12-step program where people in recovery with experience mentor, guide, and lead others who are less experienced to their level of experience through the program. Anyways, I talked to these folks and Mondays during the day, I talked to one of them. And one of the things we had talked about today was how her parents and in-laws expect her to pack up her family and go visit them for holidays. So it's, again, I, I say it's so crazy to flip to the other spectrum and look at this from the other side, like, I got to wake up Christmas morning. I got to pack up all my belongings. I got to go to work all day. This is my, my, right? My 20 year old daughter wakes up Christmas morning, packs up all of her belongings, goes to work, packs up all the gifts, everything in the car, goes to work all day long. She worked from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m., got here at 3.30, 4 o'clock she got here, hung out for two and a half hours, and then went to the boyfriend's family for Christmas dinner. Who the hell wants to do that on Christmas? Nobody wants to. I remember being little on Christmas and all I wanted to do is go home and play with my new stuff. Heck, as an adult on Christmas, all I want to do is go home and play with my new stuff. <laughs> you know, that growing up, that was one of the biggest struggles I had. Uh, and it, it, it affected me more than, you know, I know how much it affected me now, but obviously, you know, when I you know, younger, um, I, I knew it did, it did bother me. And I actually, when I was pregnant with Dylan, I actually told my parents that I would never, would not be leaving my house on Christmas day because I was not going to take my child away from all their new stuff. And if they wanted to spend Christmas with us, they had to come to my house. And I was like, I'm not saying you, like, I want you to spend Christmas. I want you to come for Christmas. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I am, my child is going to get to stay at home and play and do what he wants, he wants to do and not ripping him away from all of his new stuff that all he wants to do is play with. You just have to come to my house and we'll have Christmas here. And that's the way I've done Christmas for 28, well, 27 years until this year. And I came to my son's house. Yeah, you know, I mean, I remember being itty-bitty, and mom and dad were both always miserable. My mom yeah. and my stepdad were miserable Christmas Day because, one, they did the whole Santa Claus thing. So nothing was under the tree before we went to bed, and there were three of us. Yeah. I only know now how expensive this is because I have three children of my own and have tried to live up to this expectation. Yep. Let me tell you, it's impossible. They literally did the whole entire Santa Claus thing. So I went to bed and there was absolutely nothing under the tree. What I know now is they also didn't have anything wrapped. So me as a child going to bed at 8 or 9 p.m. Christmas Eve, knowing my parents are then now knowing my parents are then pulling all the gifts that they have spent all this money and time on and wrapping them, eating these cookies, doing all of this stuff. And I know my parents and I've done this with Nick and I, I've done this with Nick drunk and I've done this with Nick sober. And this year I did it with my best friend at her house. I can picture how this went. I can, I can, I can imagine how this went. And then 
here are these three kids. We were up with the freaking sun. I'm talking four, five, oh, heck a.m. Yeah. I remember laying in bed, and the rule was you had to wake up with the You could not wake up before the sun. And I remember laying in bed Christmas morning waiting for the sun because when you went downstairs, it was like fucking magic exploded everywhere. Yeah. I'm talking three brand new bicycles and a, a Nintendo system. And in the 90s, to buy a Nintendo system, we were four. Yeah. Like clothes, brand new clothes. And like our grandparents' gifts would be sent to the house and yep. they would be put under the tree Christmas Eve night with our parents' gifts. And everything was from Santa. And I remember, like, I remember sitting for what felt like an hour just opening gifts. And and just this, God, until I was about eight years old, I think I believed in Santa. And it was just this magical. And knowing now the effort that my parents put into this, I'm not quite sure how we got so off track on this. But anyways, knowing now the effort that my parents put into that, and then to wake up at, with the sun there, that's how we got into that, to wake up with the sun Christmas morning so my kids could open gifts, hurry, shower, drag them away from their gifts to go to one grandparent's for breakfast. Yep. And then we get to hang out for an hour or two and talk. And then we got to run to another grandparent's for lunch. And then by the time we get home, right, one lived an hour away or 30 minutes away, and the other one lived three and a half hours away. And by the time we get home, it's dinner time, and now it's time for showers, and now it's time for bed, and everybody's miserable, and everybody's cranky, and mom and dad are fighting, and Christmas is awful. I remember wanting nothing more than to just stay at home. Yeah. And that's what I've always done with my kids on Christmas morning, just like you said. I have always stayed at home. Every now and then we'll go like for dinner at Nick's dad's house. We did that a couple of years. We went to dinner at my dad's house a couple of years. But every we've just stayed at home Christmas morning. We don't leave till afternoon. That's my rule. Sometimes for dinner we'll go somewhere. But other than that, we're home. I grew up with a very magical Christmas as well. So your Linda is my Ross. Ross is one of the best human beings I know. Um, he is my stepdad. It's, well, um, your Ross is my dad, Ted. And he's my dad. He's he very much my life. My mom and him met when I was 11. He changed my life. That is when I realized my childhood. You know, was, my parents were fighting and beating. And my dad was beating my mom up and... Ross comes along, and Ross is just this great human, and just you know, he's my Rossy. I you know, I never called him dad. Um, I when I talk about him now, he is you know, I say my dad, my mom, and my dad. He's my dad. He's my dad. He's just an amazing human being, and um, he made life good. And he did. He would go all out. Footprints in the snow. Get That's outside how my with the, was. the bells, the jingle bells. So you know, we'd go. They, my sisters would go to sleep, and I was a little bit older. So by the time I met him, I was eleven. And I'm going to put a disclaimer in the de- description so parents do not listen to this with their children. <laughs> I don't want you know. I don't yes. want not trying to ruin Christmas for millions of kids. I, you know, I at that point I you know I knew the truth about you know Santa and, but my sisters didn't, 
And so I, there was so much he would let me help with. And I would, it was, he just created this magical environment for them. And I, I didn't get to fully, I mean, I experienced it, but I still knew. And I knew that's what I would set up for my, my, for my boys. And I did, I mean, we would, I would go all out. Um, But isn't that magic part of what Santa Claus is? Christmas is magic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, and, and I'm not even. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in Catholic religion, Christian religion. I am very spiritual, but exactly. I am not like religious. I celebrate Christmas as a, as an American tradition. Same. Christmas is magic for me. That's like that's how I, I look at it, and I want it to be, and I want it to be the, the that mystical magical i created that for my kids uh do we have a santa milk and santa plate with a cookies and milk plate that you know pulls out every christmas and everything yep, was, we do too. yeah everything is always decorated and i was fortunate n- enough my son's colin is not the, he's very different than dylan dylan was he bought into that magic he's going to He's going to carry that magic on for his kids. I know that already. Whatever they, you know, we would go see Santa and, you know, I would make it happen. Whatever they asked for, they would get because that's, isn't it Santa? That's what Santa does. Um, yep. That's how my parents always said it. Yeah. And it was, it was a struggle. Like, you're, you know, like it just, it is a lot. It is a financial, it's a lot financially. And for me, my both my boys, Dylan's birthday is a month before Christmas, so it's always like, oh, I hate this time of year financially, but um, I get a break for the rest of the year. Um, Collins isn't until March. But, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way because just to see their, his, their excitement and um, the joy in his eyes and, you know... Um, Colin's just so logical for he's beyond that he's just you know he logically logically got himself out of it just because well this doesn't make sense this doesn't add up that's exactly how Cameron is when she was about eight she was like mom we don't have a chimney you lock the door every night there's no way I stayed up till 4 a.m I heard you in the living room right but yeah so that's Cam <laughs> and so it's like always been even now, you know, even yesterday, Dylan's 28 years old and he still wakes, like gets up early and like, he's like, he's still excited and he's still like this little kid because he just believes in the magic of it. Yes, Uh, absolutely. And right for me, that's what Christmas is about. It's about the magic and, and, I thank my 12-step programs for being able to stay in the magic of it this year. Yes. Right? There was so many chances to gossip. There was so many chances to poke fun. There were so many chances to argue. There were chances to do all kinds. There were so many things, so many that I could have got upset about. And it just... It's not that it wasn't worth it, because that's to, that's to minimize feelings. It's that I just didn't need to get upset. I just didn't need to be bothered with it. I didn't want to get upset 
You know, it's like I've never wanted to get upset when I was getting upset in the past. But I didn't know how not to be, how not to get upset. Now, it's like not even a consideration of getting upset. Because it's just like, eh, oh well. I'm so glad that you said that, Dawn, because that leads into something else I was thinking earlier that I really wanted to talk to you about tonight. And that's, how do we stop? Right? You said it, it wasn't that I wanted to get upset. It's that I didn't know how to get upset. And now it's not that I don't want to get upset. It's that it's not even a consideration. Yeah. How do we get from that to this? A lot of work. A lot of not caring about what the outcome is and knowing that that outcome is going to be whatever it's going to be, whether I get upset or I don't get upset. Um, it's wanting to be happy. It's wanting to enjoy the moments. Um, I'm just, for me, it got to a point of just being tired of ruining my own day. Yeah. I think, I think awareness brings us to this point. I think it's like patterns. It's like habits of breaking those old patterns how easy it is to fall into self-loathing and worry and fear and the what-ifs, right? If, oh, if my mother-in-law comes over for dinner, then she's going to say this, and I'm going to think this, and then I'm going to say this, and then we're all going to feel this way. And Or to, oh, I should have known better. That's so wrong. Why would I do such a thing? Right? It's so easy to fall into those things. Yeah, But to just bring awareness to the thought that I'm actually thinking, kind of like you said earlier, being in the present moment. Oh, I'm sitting here and I'm missing my daughter and I'm looking at the presence and to actually have the awareness to, to examine that thought. I'm looking at the presence. I'm missing my daughter. Well, what else is happening? Well, my dad is here and my niece is here. And my other daughter and son are here and we're all laughing and there's an awesome movie on TV. And there's so many other good things that are happening that I can now consciously choose to refocus my awareness to a different thought than that old one. And by doing that, I'm reprogramming those neural pathways in my brain that break that habit and pattern. It's funny because you you know, if you would have sp- spent the day focused on the fact that destiny wasn't there and spent that time, you know, hurt, angry, pouting, all of those things, how would have that been for Cam? And because there's something that has to sacrifice. Something sacrifices when we spend all of our energy focusing on something. Something else is sa- is being sacrificed. And what would have Right, happened? well we know Sorry, yeah, no, well, I I mean, we know children internalize things, right? Exactly. Children always find a way of making something their fault. Well, the fact that I'm sad because Destiny isn't here, it just means that she's not as important to me as Destiny is in her mind, right? I can't imagine something like that for her to feel. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. Right. Or or here, let me try to cheer her up. Yeah. Because now let me, let me take care of my mom and let me make her feelings mine. 
Right. Let me that's, let and, me build. Let me help build her code. Right. That's helping to build her codependency. And the hard part is in this moment. In that moment, when look, let me take you back just four years, Dawn. Three years. Destiny was sixteen years old. Seven just turned seventeen years old. And we're open in presence and we're making breakfast. And I'm sad because Cameron's leaving. And Cam's still there, but she's leaving in a few hours. So I'm sad. And, and so Destiny is making breakfast. And I'm sitting on the couch with my drink and the soda and watching TV. And oh, yeah, that were nice presents. Are you almost ready to go to daddy's? I know you got to go to daddy's. And Destiny's like, hey, mom, I'm making eggs. I'm just so wrapped up in my grief and my guilt that I can't even see her. Even Cameron, my grief about Cameron not being home with her mom all day on Christmas and my guilt because I'm no longer with her dad, which we're now back together. So this is all from years ago, right? My guilt from that and my grief from that has me so wrapped up in myself that I cannot see my children right in front of me yeah. in that moment. That's what recovery has given me. That's how I got there from here. Awareness. Being able to look at myself in the moment and at what is actually taking place around me. Not what I feel, not what I think, because... What I think could be perceived a thousand different ways, and I can talk myself out, out of or into anything, but actually being perceived, like, like what is actually happening. Destiny is not here. I miss her. My dad is here. My niece is here. Linda is here. Nick is here. Cameron is here. Jebba is here. They, they, everybody is having a great time. There's a good movie on. All of those are facts. Do I want to focus on this one or two sad ones? Or do I want to focus on these 15 or 20 happy ones? And we do that so much, and not just at Christmas time. It's We do that all through our the entire year of focusing so much on what the negative that's going to or could happen that we miss the moments. I'm sure you've heard, you know, don't be the person that's taking the pictures. People will go on vacation and I'm going to take all these pictures. I'm going to bring all these pictures back. But they they forget to live in the moment. They're behind the camera. They're seeing their vacation. They're seeing their family through the lens of a camera. Instead of just being present and, t and taking those pictures with our brains. And folk, you know, like we have to just, you know, it goes back just to have to be present in our lives we cannot be that behind the the, the camera type par that participation in our lives we have to be present we have to be at the forefront and we have to be living it and looking at it and uh, and celebrating it yeah for sure and it's then, so easy to fall to fall into the patterns yes. to fall into the worry and the right to not be aware to just be clicking the remote on the tv and and my daughter comes in and speaks three sentences and I say something back to her but then 10 minutes later I'm like wait what did I just say <laughs> yeah and for the life of me I can't even remember yep but I just had a two-minute conversation with her but I don't remember because I wasn't present 
I was somewhere off in La La Land, wrapped up in some thoughts in my head about God knows what, and she thought I was focused on her. Yeah. Or, or maybe she knew I wasn't focused on her, and I just hope she thought I was focused on her. And those are the little things that help build insecurities, help build those feelings of not being good enough, those feelings of needing to overcompensate that our children end up with. It's not intentional. It's not like we are intentionally saying, I'm going to get I'm going to show you how to be unhealthy. I'm not going to uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um gossip or just just participate. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not I'm not putting together this unhealthy person. I do it through my own unhealthy behaviors. Without being present and aware in my own life, I'm showing my of showing my kids and other people how to not be present in their own, in their own lives. Right. And the only way to stop it is to become aware of it and stop yourself as soon as you become aware. Exactly. Going back to the like, whole to the whole um, fingernail conversation last week when telling your daughter, she's like, but I don't remember. I don't think about it until it's a, that's right. right. It's perfect. Like, and I, I find that I have to, I, I actually had to verbally out loud correct myself. And even sometimes my thoughts. Yeah. Like I would be like, Oh, I'm not stupid. That was just a mistake. That wasn't. And people would look at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I just thought that I was stupid. And I just had to, I'm doing this recovery thing. I just had to correct myself. No big deal. Just ignore me. And like, and I would do that sometimes. And I, it took me doing that to stop me from thinking those thoughts. There was nobody else in the world could stop it. And I think that's what that rubber band, right? You've heard of people putting a rubber band on their wrist and snap. I think that's the point of that is to bring an awareness to what I never understood. Why would I snap myself with a rubber? And I tried it a few times and it just never really worked. It just hurt. And I was just hurting myself all the damn time. Yeah, right. I think the point of it is to bring an awareness to it. You know, it's so funny. I do the exact same thing. I'll catch myself saying, you know, that was stupid, Dawn. Wait a minute, Dawn, that wasn't stupid. You're not stupid. You're a very intelligent woman. You know what you're doing. Literally, I have to talk myself through that moment of calling myself stupid. And when I check myself, I find that I can put myself back in line and and I can can continue down – uh, it's it's kind of like it's like checking like I said just yes I made a mistake and I do it at work like I catch myself at work all the time. Um, there's definitely some insecurities with my job, and I will I'll say that like oh Don that was a stupid mistake. No Don you are not you're not stupid. You could further your you know you could further your understanding of this. You could you know what you know. You're very good at what you do. This isn't your area of expertise. That's okay that you aren't an expert in this in this aspect because there are many other areas of the job that you are very, very good at. I don't compare myself. I try not to compare myself anymore because just because somebody is good at something and I'm not doesn't mean they're good at the things I'm good at. So right, I, and sometimes it's as simple as mistakes happen. Exactly. It's, it's an... I ha- I have to talk myself through that sometimes, literally, like you said, out loud. Most of the time, out loud. I don't do a lot of, because for me, saying it in my head, kind of quietly and thinking it, 
I'm very good at going down, continuing down a path. So I have, it's like saying it out loud is like the stop sign. Yeah. It is. It is. It's like true accountability. Like, wait a minute. What just came out of my mouth? Yeah. I'm doing what? I'm actually saying that I'm saying this? Why? And, right, something as simple, like I'd stub my toe and I'd be like, ow, stupid Jesus, gosh darn it. And I'd be like, no, no, that just really, really hurt. And I'm not stupid and it's nobody's fault. It's just dark and ouch. Next time I'll be a little more careful while I'm walking. Right. I mean, even something as simple as that, and and what I noticed is it, it kind of bled out, right? So I'd catch myself, and I'd correct myself out loud, and then my 11-year-old started doing it, and then my 17-year-old started doing it, and it, it just kind of bled into the people around me. It's kind of crazy how it worked. It really is, and when you see, I start seeing it, I mean, for me, is when I... I, you know, I, I shared with you, the, the, I think the last time, you know, that my son has, you know, started to get, um, has went to a couple of CODA meetings and is working on that. And I find myself wanting to be better for him. I want to, it's, it's this, it's this encouragement of being better, being like, I have an opportunity to give him something new. I have an opportunity to give my, my youngest son something new new a different way to look at the world look at themselves more importantly and that's why every day I'm trying to I, I'm trying to be better I'm trying to do it for myself I'm trying to do it for them because just because I've done been a certain way for 25 years of my oldest son's life and 13 of my youngest son's life or whatever how way like whatever it's been I don't know time wise that's not the end of the story. I can continue to be better for them and for me. I think that that's like, like, I think that's just the perfect stopping point. Like, yeah, I agree. This is why I do what I do because I want to be better. And that's what this recovery and this healthy living and this, I'll say emotional sobriety. That's a new term I'm just learning. And I think it fits in this moment. That's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So that in a hundred years, my grandkids aren't healing from the things I refuse to heal from. Yeah. And hopefully nobody else is already. And I'm just doing the best I can every day, every moment and that's all I can ask for. And it's good enough. It's good enough. Well, Ashley, thank you for this conversation today. As always, I love it. And audience, um, just make sure, you know, take the time to go check out the website, the workityouareworthit.com website for more information. And um, Ashley, thank you very much. Thanks, Don. Have a wonderful week. I will talk to everyone next week, and uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you all have a wonderful, happy, safe New Year's. Thanks. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.
Don't 